I'm Katie J. And I'm Katie H. Welcome to the Katie's. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Katie's podcast. <laughs> good morning. It's good to be with you. Good, good to be with you. How uh, busy. Yes. Today we're doing a one of our shorter theological episodes, mm-hmm. um, dissecting the high and lofty for you. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. I, I really am not going to live up to that. That's not going to happen today. Just kidding. But we have been talking about the church mm-hmm. and the inception of the church and the history of the church and all that stuff. So we've talked about baptism and now I want to talk about communion. Um, And these are two of the like rights or jobs of the church that are essential. Like these are essential functions of the church and essential practices for all believers to participate in. Um, And we're going to tell you why we're going to tell you why it's essential, but communion is Something that there is a lot of like disagreement over. It's something that looks really different depending on what kind of church you go to. Um, It's something that there are like absolute standards about. And then there's some room for interpretation. And most Protestant churches have like slightly different interpretations of this and all would say like, yeah, we're all right. (laughs) Like it's okay. It's different in Catholicism and Orthodoxy. There's very different teachings and very stringent teachings about what the practice of this looks like. But I want to talk first and foremost, and for most of this episode about like what the Bible actually teaches about communion and the last supper and what are the basics that we've got to understand and got to know. And as you know, we talk more about history and catechisms and, you know, all those things, we're going to see where these differences come into play. But I want to first, there's, this is going to be a lot of scripture, but it's important because this is where it comes from. Um, and the first passage is actually John 6, 53 through 58. Do you want to read that one? It's the second one on the list there. Uh, of course. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die, as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever." Okay, so this is the first time Jesus is talking about this principle. And everybody's like, I'm sorry? <laughs> well, it's like a problem. So yeah. he's teaching, I believe he's teaching in the temple in Capernaum here. Um, but in, in the passages immediately following this, like in the verses immediately following this, like disciples leave. Like They're like, I'm pretty sure that's not seriously, kosher. People, people, people turn away because they're so thrown and confused by this teaching. Yeah. Um, it obviously makes the religious elites mad. It makes everybody mad. Nobody likes this. They're like, what eating your body? Like yeah. I draw my line there. Like that's yeah. so, so weird. We've crossed the line. Yeah. It's, it's like a, no pun intended, hard to chew on teaching right here that they're talking about. Um, and they, as happens often are missing the point and missing the, you know, 
background that Jesus is speaking from when he's teaching about these things. But this is like the first time we hear about this from the mouth of Jesus chronologically, like in his ministry. And this leads then to the last supper. And this is like, this is where communion comes from. This is where we get the practice of it. The idea of it. If you take communion in church, they probably read from Matthew 26 when Mm -hmm. they're talking about communion, at least our church, they pretty much read this every single time we take communion as a church. But I want to read it for you now. So this is at the Last Supper. They're all sitting down there feasting. Jesus has just said, hey, one of you is going to betray me tonight. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, now, <laughs> as they're eating Matthew 26, verse 26, <laughs> as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it, and then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So again, they're all sort of like, what are we we talking about? It's throwing them for a loop a little bit, but they're all kind of going with it like, okay, like we're (laughs) eating your body, I guess. Like, (laughs) All right, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. And Jesus is like saying, he's telling them at the last supper, he's saying, one of you is going to betray me. I'm about to die. (laughs) I'm going to come again. Like he's he's, unloading a lot. He's unloading a lot on them. And they're all kind of like, okay, you know, like, yes, Jesus. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. You're going to die. Like, okay, but you're the Messiah. Like, we know you don't mean what you're saying. Sometimes you're very lofty, Jesus. Like, we don't know. (laughs) But he's instituting here the practice of communion. I'm going to keep reading some verses and then we're going to get into the the nitty gritty here. But I just want you to have all of the, all the context before we go into it. Um, First Corinthians 10, 16 through 17. This is another one that's used a lot in teaching about communion. So this is all Jesus's practice. And then it is continued by the disciples after his death and resurrection. And it becomes a practice in the church because he is saying, do this in remembrance of me. Like mm-hmm. do this in remembrance of me. Like he's telling them this is something to be done. And so it continues as a practice in the church and Paul teaches about it and you see it a lot in the epistles. Um, but 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 17, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. So clearly this is happening. Like this is happening regularly in churches. We don't know how often or what, they are doing specifically, but we know that it looks something like the last supper. And then this is, this is another one of the like big ones that people teach on a lot. And this one's worth talking about a little bit, but we might come back to it later. First Corinthians 11, 26 through 29. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Big scary one. Before we chew on that a little bit. uh, (laughs) I'm going to need you to stop. (laughs) Before we get back to that. Before this becomes the Katie podcast. We're going (laughs) to... Something for real though. That's something that's super important to understand when you're talking about the Last Supper. It doesn't just come from nowhere. Yeah, it is directly related to Passover. So there is a significance 
in Matthew 26, when Jesus is instituting the Last Supper and instituting communion for the first time, that they are celebrating the feast of Passover that very night. And so Passover, if you don't know, was one of the most sacred feasts of the Jewish year. And what it did was commemorate the final plague in Egypt. So this is the one that took the firstborn son of every Egyptian family. Um, However, the Jews were spared when the blood of a lamb, a sacrificial lamb was spread on their doorpost. And so this feast celebrated God's provision. It was a somber, serious celebration of God's power and his provision and, you know, grace over like the promise of death for all Mm -hmm. these firstborn children in Egypt. So the last supper is taking place on this day of this holiday. And Jesus is pointing what the disciples are missing. He's pointing to the new covenant. So he is pointing to the fact, Hey, I am the new sacrifice. I am the new lamb. I'm the perfect sacrifice. that's going to cover the sins of all people and rescue them from death and from sin forever. What he's doing here is much more than just saying like, hey, remember me when I'm gone. What, yeah. he's, what he's saying is like, I am a new covenant. I am a new perfect fulfillment yeah. of the sacrificial system of the law. And you're going to partake in that with me. With me. Yeah. Yeah. And also we've talked, I've, we had an episode recently about remember and remembrance and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's saying like, there's some things that you need to do as a practice to remind yourself of what this is that like you believe and what this is that I've done. Um, so that's like the 30,000 foot view of, of communion of like what it is, but it's, if you've never experienced communion before, welcome. Um, (laughs) but communion, we're all going to be taking communion. (laughs) (laughs) I've been to grape juice and your styrofoam wafer. Um, (laughs) our church during, um, during like COVID was having those little single serve, which we normally have like crackers and juice and cups and stuff, but they had those little like single serve ones that have like the packet on top, you know, where it's like the little actual piece of styrofoam. Um, you know, where just you put it Christian in your mouth problems. and it just kind of like it doesn't stay. It's just there. You have to just like swallow it. Yeah. Um, not great. Disrespectful, honestly. Disrespectful. But I drew a few things here from a an article that we'll link for you guys on um specifically on disagreement about Holy Communion. It was a really helpful article article. But there are kind of like four things that Jesus does during the Last Supper. So first thing during the Passover meal, Jesus blessed, broke and offered bread to his disciples. So saying, um, this is my body given for you. Like take this and eat it. Do this in remembrance of me. So that is a necessary component Mm -hmm. of communion is eating the bread, recognizing it as the body of Christ broken for us. And, um, like a visceral (laughs) reminder of the like beating and disfigurement and the pain and the humiliation that Jesus Mm -hmm. went through on the cross for our sins that he literally became sin, took sin upon himself, um, as the atonement for our sin. Um, so it should be sombering for us to remember this. And then the second thing he passed around a cup telling them to divide it among them and said, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. So he's telling them directly they're missing it, but this is the new covenant that you've been promised, um, poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. And so then they drink it. And the blood, therefore, is representing the actual forgiveness of sins, the satisfaction of the the blood cost of sin and death. Um, the last thing, or the third thing, it's during this meal. 
that Jesus mentions that one of the disciples would betray him. Just an important little fact. Last thing is that Jesus says he will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until he drinks it anew with his followers in the Father's kingdom. So Mm -hmm. he's saying, like, I will rise again. You who follow me, like, and you who take of this communion and you who receive the my blood as a satisfaction for their for their sins, um, you're going to join me in this new kingdom. You're going to join me in heaven with my father and your sins are going to be covered and we're going to feast together. So those are kind of like the components of what's happening in the last supper. Um, and a quote here from this article that I thought was really helpful and kind of like summarized it well. As he instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus was focused on the spiritual relationship between himself and his disciples. He did not provide particulars of how or when or where or by whom these elements of communion, so the bread and the wine, Mm -hmm. should be served. And therefore, different churches have some freedom to decide these details for themselves. For example, whether a church observes communion once a week or once a month is really not that important. Yeah, neither as long here as it's nor being there. done. Yes. And this has looked different, like I said, across history, across different parts of the church, across different denominations. Like we have freedom to sort of within the boundaries and the parameters set to interpret these things differently. Yeah. There are some, like I mentioned, there are some disagreements in the practice and the interpretation of communion. Um, One of them, which is like the biggie, (laughs) is the biggie as far as like Protestantism and Catholicism Mm. is, um, is Jesus referring to a literal or figurative body in the elements, right? Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation, (laughs) yep. That the Catholic Church would say that when we take communion, that as we take the bread and digest it, that it becomes the literal body of Christ in our body. And that when we take the blood, take the, take the wine, that it becomes the literal blood of Jesus. And, um, the arguments for this would be from the passages we just read talking about in Matthew 26, that Jesus literally said, this is my body. This is my blood. They're saying, okay, well, this means we're literally eating Jesus' body and blood. So it probably happens somewhere in the esophagus, you know, like oh it, it happens somewhere in our bodies, um, which Protestantism does not hold to or agree with. Well, and when you think about it, like what, what would be the point of something like that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I get it. I get why people would yeah, think this. I can understand the interpretation, but I don't, I don't hold to it. (laughs) Yeah. And I I mean, even just reading in this Matthew 26, 26 or 29 in verse 29, um, he's calling it wine again. Like I will not drink wine again with you until the day I drink it in the father's kingdom. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily the correct interpretation. Um, but because of, because of that, there's some other like things that the Catholic church adds on to communion as it being a means of a means of grace that we talked about this with baptism as well, that um, communion, first Holy communion and baptism are essential parts of being saved, that you cannot be saved without these things, Um, which the Protestant church would say, absolutely not. That it's not a means of salvation, Um, that it's more symbolic. Another disagreement, like we talked about how often, like, is this something to be done all the time? Is this something for special occasions only? Is this something once a month? Whatever. And so I talked about this next one. Is it a means of grace or is it a memorial and Mm -hmm. a symbolic ceremony, right? (laughs) Um, Another one that's interesting that I didn't really realize was like a point of contention was, was the wine Jesus was 
drinking fermented or not. Who cares? Like, was it <laughs> fermented or was it juice? And Ooh, I, I don't really care. There's some like, <laughs> there's some like implication on either side of that, but I'm also like, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it matters that much. For this whole church history series, should I just, do we need to like keep a soundbite of me saying, who cares? literally cares? Yeah. That we just play. A lot of people care. Yeah. Yeah. And have cared for history. So apparently <clears throat> people care. Not mm-hmm. us though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're just maybe really bad Christians. I don't know. You know, I could, you could be listening as a freaking wine fermentation expert right now and you're like katie the implications (laughs) and you know what fine but as for my understanding of god and two things that i doubt that there are (laughs) wine fermentation experts listening to this podcast also seminarians who debate the lofty weight of implication on whether the wine Jesus drink was fermented or not. Yeah, you, I, I don't if you're listening to... This might not be the podcast for you. Uh, yeah, first of all, turn this off. And second of all, um, really? Are we... Okay, whatever. You know what? But like, if it's legit, send us an email at thekatiespodcast at gmail.com. I will read it. And then we will I'll make play a public the apology. Soundbite. But also, if you... <laughs> That says, who literally cares? If we're like way wrong, um, yeah, please send us an email, but also (laughs) we won't read it. Who literally cares? (laughs) Um, Let's let's get back. Let's get back. There's just one last thing that I want to talk about here. This is, we're not going to be going into the nitty gritty of all these differences and differentiations because that's not the point of this. This is to lay the foundation scripturally. What is this? What is its significance? What does the Bible actually teach? And I want to go back to that um, 1 Corinthians 11 passage. So verses 26 through 29. Um, And this is talking about unworthily drinking of the cup and eating the bread. So approaching communion unworthily. And there's also some like interpretation on what this means. Um, And there's a couple different teachings that I think are valid and worth noting here that unworthily means like without reverence, Mm -hmm. without respect that you are approaching communion and taking it without actually thinking or praying or reflecting on your sin or repenting or whatever that is. You're missing the point. Like if yeah. you're if you're approaching the ceremony, it's just like, oh, okay, like take it when they say and whatever. Um, you're missing the point. You're at least you're missing an opportunity to yeah. um honor the Lord and to commune with him. But at the worst, you're disrespecting his sacrifice. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, that's just something I wouldn't want to mess with, right? And then later on in this verse, it talks about if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, so like we were just talking about with whatever that looks like, whether that's reflection or contemplation or repentance, um, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself, which again, I'm not here to tell you exactly yeah. what that means, but I think we can all agree we don't want that. No. <laughs> like We just don't. We don't want that. Another thing that people interpret this as of unworthily drinking the cup, like in examining yourself before doing this, that if you are like taking communion before making right wrongs you have with other believers um, or like sinning against other people and not repenting for it or holding something in unforgiveness or whatever that is, that it is best and necessary for you to go correct those things before participating in communion. Yeah. Um, and so 
our church would teach that and say that as well, that, hey, even just in worship, right? That like before we're approaching God, before we're coming before him, how dare we like yeah. hold these offenses against our brothers? How dare we be in sin against one another? And yeah not like do our best on our end of things to make right before we approach the throne of grace. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's, that's what I got for you today. Yeah. There's more to be said about communion, but it's going to come up as we go through the nitty gritty specifics of all the stuff we get to later. So hope that gives you a little understanding. What is it? Why do we practice it? We didn't just make it up. Mm-hmm. Jesus taught it. Old Testament pointed to it. Early church practiced it. There you go. There you go. There you have it. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, little snippet. A little bite size. A little snippet. Uh, <laughs> I keep making fun. You're done. Stop. That was an oh, no. um, I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> and I hope you're going to forgive Katie Hill for everything she said. <laughs> and um, I hope that you reach out to us on Instagram at the Katie's Podcast <laughs> and via email at the Katie's Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Correcting our heresy. Yes. Please. <laughs> I, you know, we hope educating us on the nitty gritty of wine fermentation. Yeah. We won't uh, read it. No. <laughs> Thank you. If the subject line says wine fermentation, um, we're going to set it so that it goes to spam. But, yeah. Um, anyways. Never contact us again. Thank okay. you for listening. <laughs> Talk hope to you, you soon. Bye.